and uh, some time ago, Pastor Thomas asked me, uh, your birthday's coming up. Do you plan to preach that weekend? No. I'm going to work on my birthday. He said, uh, well, who do you want to speak that morning? I said, I want my son David to speak. We are blessed with three wonderful girls sitting down here and one son, David, and uh, Janice. Stand up, Janice, so they can see who you are. This is the dear Janice Betzer. They, uh, as most of you know, they spent 17 years in Africa as missionaries, just about 17 years. For the past almost seven, they have been in Branson, Missouri, pastor of uh, Grace Community Assembly of God Church, taking that church from a handful of people, massive debt, into a congregation of hundreds of people and strong economic background and spiritual strength. Earlier this last year, earlier last year, David was given by Midwest Seminary, one of the great seminaries in America, honorary doctorate of theology. I've never had that. I'm sometimes uh, introduced as Dr. Betzer when I go out, but I assure the people that I'm not a doctor, not even a nurse, to tell you the truth. <laughs> and, uh, but David is, and uh, I love my son. I'm so incredibly proud of him and what he does. I want you to welcome Dr. <laughs> David Betzer to this morning. Well, good, I was going to say good morning, but it's good afternoon. And it's good to see you all. And uh, let me start by thanking you on behalf of the Betzer clan that's here today for loving on our parents for these 30 years and uh, treating them so kindly and generously. We truly appreciate it. We are grateful family to you, and we, we love you. Uh, we were glad to be able to come down this weekend and enjoy the celebration of his 80th birthday and 30th anniversary here at the church and the 70th anniversary of the church. But now we've been coming in at different points during the weekend because of uh, schedules elsewhere. And uh, I, one of, one of the, my children wasn't able to be here during the couple of them weren't able to be here during the Friday night. And uh, I asked Daniel if he would come up. Daniel's my son. If he'd come up and just represent the grandkids for a moment and uh, say a few words. This is, uh, I'm my father's only son. This is my only son. And uh, whoever marries you has a lot of pressure to keep it up. But that's all right. Go ahead. Uh, well, thank you so much for allowing me to be up here and to speak to you guys today. It's an incredible honor to share the stage with not only my grandfather, but my father as well. Um, these two men have set an incredible example for my life and for um, all of the, the grandchildren in our um, Betzer clan, so to speak. Uh, and I just want to address some of the things that my grandfather has left for me and for the other grandchildren um, throughout his life. And uh, some of those things were mentioned on the Friday, um, during the Friday celebration. And one of those things was the legacy of faith. And um, when I look at my grandfather, I see such an incredible man of God. And, and so many men and women have said that this past weekend. And, um, but from the perspective of, of his grandson, I just want to address the fact that 
you know, whenever I look at my grandfather, I see a light and I see somebody who has not wavered, someone who has not um, fallen to the standards of the world, but has, has been a rock in the community and who has uh, set an example for others in, in faith and in his actions. And um, his love for missions and his love for other people has, has always been something that I have, have strived to set in my own life. And I just can't think of a greater um, example, a greater person, a greater man that I could have as one of my amazing role models in my life than my grandfather. And I just want to thank you so much for everything you've done for others in this world and in this country and in this community uh, in Fort Myers. And I just want to thank you for, for what you've done for me and being an amazing grandfather and being my friend and being um, just a loving member of our family. So thank you, grand Grandpa. Our family could do that for quite some time because we love our family very much. But uh, I have to get right into the Word. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in the book of Matthew chapter 6. I'm sure you're aware that in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins His Sermon on the Mount, a, a, a spoken word to the people of Israel that has been enshrined in the book of Matthew in a way that uh, is perhaps the greatest uh, teaching of all time. As he begins to speak to them, there's perhaps hundreds if not thousands of people that are gathered around him. He, he's speaking to them. He's already begun, but in chapter 6 of Matthew, chapter 6 begins with him saying, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I, I've, I've put that practice your righteousness. I've highlighted that because when he was speaking to the people on that hillside that day, they would have understood very clearly what he was speaking about because righteousness in their mindset was more than just a spiritual state. There were actions that were tied to being righteous. It wasn't just my relationship with God. There were activities that were tied with that. And those activities were fasting and prayer and generosity. These are firmly embedded in the Jewish culture. They're understood by everybody who's listening to Jesus speak from that hillside on that day. And he says, be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness, your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And they would have known what he's talking about. And he begins to extrapolate on those things, the fasting, the prayer, and the generosity. And if you go to verse 5, he begins to expound on prayer. He begins to address what was so deeply embedded in their culture. And he, he says in verse 5, And when you pray, he's speaking to hundreds if not thousands, and he addresses them individually. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is a very personal thing he's talking about. Even though he's addressing thousands, he's speaking to them individually. Have you ever been in a service when the pastor or the evangelist is speaking and you feel like he just read your mail for the past month and he's 
pointing his finger right at you, but you wonder where he got that from? Well, Jesus is speaking to all the people of Israel, and he's saying, when you pray, verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the Pentecostals, I mean the pagans, (laughs) for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And do not be like them. For your father, your father knows what you need before you ask. This then is how you should pray. So Jesus is addressing the thousands, and he's speaking to them individually. He's saying, when you do this act of righteousness, when you engage in prayer, this is how you should pray. And I want you to notice the shift in Jesus as he begins to speak about what that prayer should look like. He's saying, when you pray, this is how you should pray, and it shifts all of a sudden to our Father. It's not my Father. When you pray, it's our Father. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, not me, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All of a sudden, Jesus, in his speaking to the thousands of people about their individual responsibility and their act of righteousness, that praying that they are to engage in with the Heavenly Father, when they pray, it's not about me. It's not about my Father. It's about our Father. You see, one of the problems that has permeated our culture, that has permeated our churches, is that it's become all about a personal relationship with me and Jesus. And I thank God for a personal relationship with me and Jesus. But Jesus says, when you pray, when you and I are engaged in our conversation, here's what your mentality should be. Here's what your thought process should be. I want you to talk to our Father, my Father, your Father, the Father of the person sitting next to you, the Father of that person who's down the street from you, who you might believe is the most lost person on the face of this earth. That is their Father as well, and our prayer should focus on what God our Father desires to do in this world through us, not just me. Because I am part of something bigger than myself. When I pray, I'm praying to our Father, and I recognize that I belong to something bigger than me. It's been a joy to be raised in the Betzer household. I recognize that I belong to something bigger than me. I carry a name that's bigger than me. And it's not just my father, it's my father's father and his father's father. There's a a passing on of generations. It's just not about me and my walk in life and my encounters and my situations that I have to get through. I am part of a family that has a father who I represent, whose name I carry, but I'm part of something even bigger than that. I'm part of the body of Christ, and we have a Father. And God's call to us 
through his son Jesus, as he teaches us to pray, pray, as he teaches us to walk righteously, is that our prayer should be about something bigger than us. And there are characteristics of what it means to belong to something bigger than us. And I want to take just a few moments this morning to go over a few of those characteristics of what it means to belong to something bigger than ourselves. Let me speak about loyalty to start. Loyalty. Loyalty is an interesting topic. Loyalty has different feelings for some people, how they perceive it. But let me tell you what it isn't. Loyalty does not mean that we all agree. How many of you had a wonderful time these past six months talking with family and friends and neighbors about the politics of the United States of America? (laughs) Did you all agree? But you know, all of us that are citizens of this country, we are all Americans. We're all part of a country that is bigger than ourselves. And we don't all agree, but we need to understand that there's a thing called loyalty. It doesn't mean we agree, but it does mean we're together. As a matter of fact, loyalty isn't really tested till we disagree. And whether we can remain loyal in our relationships to one another, whether we can be committed to one another, what happens when you and I don't agree, that's when our loyalty is tested. Loyalty. We see it in Scripture over and over again. One of the great examples we find in 1 Samuel chapter 18 when we see David in his encounters with King Saul and his encounters with King Saul's son Jonathan as they become deep friends. And uh, in 1 Samuel 18, it says this, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. If you understood what that meant in that culture, that was a covenant relationship. Loyalty. And can you imagine the struggle of that relationship between David and Jonathan and David and his loyalty to Saul and Jonathan, his loyalty to his father. He loved David. He loved his father, but yet he supported David in his, his journey to be the next king of Israel. But yet he died by his father's side in the battlefield. Loyalty sometimes means we're on a difficult journey, but we recognize that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. Loyalty means that when somebody's talking bad about my country or my city or my church or my pastor or the person sitting next to me, my spouse, I'm not quiet. I have a voice to defend the people that God has given me relationship with because I'm loyal to them. Loyalty is the understanding that we are brothers and we are sisters and we are children of the Most High God. And He has told us that we are to function and that part of that is that we are to have each other's back. We're to love one another as Christ loved the church. Even if we don't agree, we are the family of God. Let me move on to a second point. Let me talk about sacrifice for just a minute. If you're going to belong to something, there's sacrifice involved in that. I'm I'm glad that my parents, 50-something years ago, loved each other enough to have a second child. I have an older sister. 
And I'm glad they didn't stop with her, my elder sister, Debbie. I could have understood why they would have stopped after her. (laughs) Sorry, Deb. You have to understand our family. We just do that. If we didn't do that, we wouldn't love each other. But I'm grateful my my parents had me, and I know that every child that came along was an, an additional sacrifice. It's an additional length of time before the nest is empty. It's an additional year or two years with my parents, another 40 or 50 years before all the children are out of the house. Sacrifice. It's what we do in our marriages. It's what we do in our relationships with one another. It's what we do if we're Pentecostal. If you read in Acts chapter 2, we get excited about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We get excited about the power that the uh, early church was uh, flooded with in that upper room. But sometimes we forget at the end of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they began to sell what they had and bring it into the household of God so that everybody could have what they needed to get by. People began to understand that part of belonging to the church was sacrifice so that everybody's needs could be met. It's part of belonging to something bigger than ourselves. Honesty is another uh, characteristic of belonging. Honesty. Wouldn't you like to turn on the television just once and see honesty? Wouldn't that be a revolution in our country to see honesty once again? Well, it starts with you and I. I have a ministry friend who was, uh, before he went into full-time ministry, he worked at a car repair shop. And his job was to answer the phone and organize the jobs and make sure everything was going well. But he had a boss who oversaw him. And one day he got a phone call, and it was Mr. Jones. And Mr. Jones said, is my car ready? And he said, sir, let me check. And he yelled to the boss. He said, is Mr. Jones' car, car ready? And the boss said, just tell him it'll be done in an hour. But my friend knew that they hadn't even started on his car. So he got on the phone and said, Mr. Jones, the boss says your car will be done in an hour. My friend had grown weary of, even though it seemed small, he had grown weary of lying because for months and months and months, his boss had done this to him. He knew it was part of the business, so to speak, that you would just kind of keep the customers on hold because fixing the cars was kind of a complicated business and it wasn't always just as easy as you might think. And sometimes there are reasons why it might take a little longer to do the job, but he had grown tired and he had made a fresh commitment to God that he wasn't going to allow that lying thing to go on in him because he was a child of God and he was, God was his God and his boss wasn't his God and he wasn't going to lie for his boss anymore. So when Mr. Jones said, is my car going to be ready in an hour? Is that what you're telling me? He said, sir, I, I told you my boss said your car would be ready in an hour says, I I don't understand. Uh, Have you started on my car? No, sir, we haven't started on your car. But you just said it'll be ready in an hour. No, sir, I said my boss said your car will be ready in an hour. (laughs) I don't understand. He said, are you telling, have you started on my car? No, sir, we haven't started on your car. Is my car going to be ready in an hour? No, sir, your car is not going to be ready in an hour. But you told me my car would be ready in an hour. I said, no, sir. My boss said to tell you your car would be ready in an hour. And Mr. Jones on the phone said, are you telling me that your boss is having you lie to me? He said, yes, sir, that's exactly what I'm telling you. 
Mr. Jones said, well, don't touch my car, I'm coming to get it. Hung up the phone and my friend turned to his boss and said, I guess I'll be going home now. <laughs> he lost his job. Three months later, his boss called him back and said, I'm sorry, I need to be a man of integrity too. I need my word to be good. I need, if I'm going to follow God, I need to understand that his word in my life functions every day and in every situation. Honesty. Honesty leads to trust, another characteristic of belonging. Trust is built when we create expectations that we fulfill. One of the things that I truly can honor my father and my mother for today is that they created an environment in our home where they never caused us to not trust other people in the kingdom. We never heard them say in the pulpit, oh, we love you people so much. We're so thankful to God for you. And when we get home from church that we would hear a different story. It was never like that. We were never told about how bad the people of the church were by our parents because they never had those conversations. They didn't create an environment where we didn't trust other believers because of what they said. They create an environment of trust that is built on honesty and built on honor. And that needs to be restored in the church because we belong to something big, bigger than ourselves. And that also goes along with being uh, authentic and true authenticity in the kingdom. Another characteristic of belonging is that we're authentic with one another. If, if you could uh, come to a Betzer family meeting and just enjoy the company of the Betzer family, we're just real people having a good time, loving on each other, and we're authentic with one another. The man you see preach for you Sunday after Sunday, Dan Betzer is the same at home as he is in the pulpit. Uh, my family's the same where we walk and where we go. Uh, we've learned that the world needs to see authentic people walking for God, showing people what it means to live for Him. Finally, let me touch one more thing this morning, this afternoon. Perseverance. Perseverance. How many know it's not always easy to run the race? There are stumbling blocks. There are things the enemy puts out before you. There are times when people try to blow up your car. There are times when people try to shoot the windows out in the church. And we remember some of those things from our time here in Fort Myers. And I've watched my parents persevere through difficult times. Why? Because we belong to something bigger than ourselves. Our Father has given us a call. He's given us a mandate, and He's called us the family of God. He's called us the army of God. He's called us His bride. And all those things are indicators that we belong to something bigger than ourselves. And we have an obligation to walk in a way that's not just about me and God, but that when we pray, we pray to our Father, deliver us from evil. Because our Father has called us to be a light to this world. Not just me, but all of us. As a matter of fact, the way we interact with one another, God says in His Word, the way we treat one another, the way we love one another, that will be the testimony of the love of God to a lost world. They will know we are Christians by the love we have one for another. You see, we belong to something much bigger than ourselves. I belong to the Betzer household. I belong to the Assemblies of God. I'm an American citizen. 
I belong to something bigger than myself. I have a responsibility for my household. I have a responsibility to Branson, Missouri. I have a responsibility to the state of Missouri. I have a responsibility to the United States of America and to the whole world because my father owns it all. And he says that we're to be custodians, and he's put us together, and he says, I want you to be my bride. I want you to be my church. I want you to be the family of God, and I want you to carry my name well because you belong to something bigger than yourselves. I'm reminded today that this is a very special day in the United States. This is the first Lord's Day since we've elected a new president new members of cabinet being sworn in. And I know there might have been moments in these past few months when loyalty was tested because you might have been on one side of the political aisle and your friends might have been on the other side of the political aisle. There's been very few elections as device of this, but you know what? We're American citizens. But greater than that, we're the family of God living in the United States of America, and God has given us a responsibility to live a certain way in this country to carry his name well. You know what he calls us to do? He calls us to pray for those who are in authority over us. I want you to stand with me. I'm thankful today for my wife and my children. I'm thankful for my church family back in Branson, Missouri. I'm thankful for my family that's here today. But I'm thankful to live in a country where I have the freedom to stand in front of people and proudly proclaim my faith in Jesus Christ, to call my Father God and to worship His name, to lift my hands and to praise His name freely. I'm I'm so honored that I can call you my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if we sat down and we had a lunch together today, we might disagree about a lot of things, but you know, we're still family. And God's called us to carry his name well to our neighbors, to one another. He's called us to care for one another, to minister to each other's needs. And he calls us to pray for those who are in authority over us because we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And I would like for us to pray for our country this afternoon as we close this service. I would like for us to humbly bow and recognize that God has given us all a role as his children in carrying his name in this time, in this day, so that his name is honored in this world. That means we love people that are sometimes difficult to love. We sacrifice and give to people that don't have. We do the things that will give glory to our Father's name. And he tells us to pray for those in authority. I'd like to do that right now. Can you bow with me? Heavenly Father, our Father, We just stop and become aware of your presence. And as we become aware of your presence, we're aware of your call, of your word which speaks to us on how to walk, on how to live, on how to carry your name unto all the world, in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, to the uttermost parts. 
And you've called us to function as a family. You've called us to function as a body. You've called us to function as an army. You've called us to function as the bride of Christ. And all those things carry different, uh, different meanings and different feelings to those words. But we recognize in all of it that we're part of something. And it's not just about me and you, Father. I'm part of something that's great in this house. I'm part of something that's great in my, my own house and my relationship with my family. But I'm part of the family of God worldwide. And we are called to pray for those who you have set in, in authority uh, in all nations. You call us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And you call us to pray for those who are in authority over us. So today, Father, we pray for our newly elected president, President Trump, Vice President Pence. We pray for those cabinet members who've been nominated and that are being interviewed and sworn in. Lord, whether we agree or whether we're in alignment with them politically or not, that's not really the issue. We're called to be support. We're called to be light. We're called to be supporters of those who have ended in authority over us. So we pray for them, for wisdom. We're thankful that during the inauguration, we heard your name spoken boldly. We pray, God, that this will be a time and a season where the name of God will not be an embarrassment in our country, but will be proudly proclaimed, where all people will know the love of God, where every neighbor, every friend, every family member will sense that there is a, a true and living God, and they'll know it because the church shows its love one for another and sacrifices and gives of themselves because of your great plan that not one should perish, but that the whole world should come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. God, help us to be a family. Help us to be your children and to walk in your purpose. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. For spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesty above the grace of God go with us as we leave this place. Touch our country as we've prayed. I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, wonderful congregation of people. For our friends from Israel, God bless Israel as well. We ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you. I love you dearly. Thank you for all you've done. God bless you as you go. Thank you.